when I started really studying it and understanding it, I'm like, wow, the little you know snippet that you read in a in the magazine or a newspaper is nothing compared to what's what this really is about. I mean, we are spiritual beings. We don't really have to learn how to live a spiritual life, but I think it's about remembering that we're spiritual beings and honoring that and then honoring that through how we live our day to day. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. (laughs) It's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realized it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. If it's your first time, we're so happy that you found us. <laughs> Have you ever seen Big Mouth? No. It's on Netflix. It's so funny. It's like really raunchy. Uh-huh. It's really inappropriate, but I really love it. Usually I don't like sex jokes. I'm yeah. kind of like, I make them, but I don't like to hear them. I don't know. Why. Um, and it's so funny. It's about kids going through puberty and... Um, there's someone in it and she was on SNL and she's amazing. Everyone's probably knowing who I'm talking about, but she plays the hormone monster for girls. And she's Wait, like- this is very interesting. She's the best. She, so, cool. so the premise is there's like kids and they're really young and they have like their hormones. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're acting, but then their hormone monsters are like also acting too. <laughs> she's like, you luscious drink. Like she just has an amazing, <laughs> her voice is- Wait, is it Kate McKinnon? No, it's- um, oh. She was on SNL and she, it starts with an M. She's, um, I think she's got like freckles. Oh, Ma- Maya yes. Rudolph? Maya Rudolph. Good one. Cool. Yes. Oh, I'll have to watch that. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So catch me in my pubescent days. I know. I don't really even, yeah, I was just really emo. Oh, really? Yeah, it was funny. Like the hormone monster like tells the little girl, she's like, call her by her first name. So she calls the mom by her first name. She's like, get out of here, Lisa. <laughs> or whatever the mom's name is. And I definitely did that. Whenever my mom made me mad, I was like, yeah, Terry. <laughs> like she gives a shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh God. Even though Justin said the other day, he's like, that's like the most disrespectful thing to call your parents by their first name. I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't Dweeb. think I ever did that, but- yeah, I had just some awkward, it was more just like things happening to my body and I was like not really sure what the fuck to mm, do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why you got the American Girl Doll book. Oh, oh yeah. Did you get that? Mm, probably. Mm-hmm. I had everything in American Girl Doll. Yeah, it was like the everything puberty book or something. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. It's like the first, it was like groundbreaking. I was the first book out oh, for girls that like talked about puberty. They're like, undress your American Girl doll. We're going to show you. <laughs> uh, We're going to show you. I don't you. actually know if it was an American Girl. I think it was an American Girl doll book. We need a, we need a producer. We need Chloe in here. <laughs> We're just spreading lies. I, I, need, I need someone like- I know. Yeah, it is the pu- American Girl doll puberty book. Yep. The Care and Keeping of You, Truly Me by American Girl doll. Oh. Yeah, man. That's actually the first book on in our book club that we're starting. Mm-hmm. The Care and Keeping of You, the true story of American Girl Dolls. And it has like a little naked girl with her like little bush. <laughs> okay, so as I was saying, if you're new to Almost 30 Podcast, we are two gals talking about everything in life to help you make any transition. So we started it transitioning from our 20s to our 30s, talking about health, wellness, spirituality, career, nutrition, relationships, and now it has grown to a badass community of individuals who connect on Facebook in our Secret Almost 30 Facebook group, and then also on Instagram and at our amazing events Mm -hmm. too. Yeah, it's been a great year. We're excited for 2018. Mm -hmm. So today we are talking to Tanaz Chubb, who is an author astrologist. She 
has her book, The Power of Positive Energy. Mm -hmm. She also has her blog, Forever Conscious. Mm -hmm. So this one's a really good one because I know a lot of people in the group wanted us to learn more about the moon, the moon cycle, the planetary alignment and how that affects your personality and your mood and everything like that. So a real deep dive into astrology and understanding all of the things related to that is what we go into today. Yeah, so you'll know your, um, or at least get started on figuring out your spiritual blueprint as it pertains to when you were born, where you Mm -hmm. were born. It's super, super interesting. We also talk about her family history and kind of how she got to where she is today because of literally going back like hundreds of years in her family history, which was really interesting. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we have Chloe with us in this episode as well. Yeah, it's really fun. She's actually read one of her books, um, Pocket Mantras, Mm -hmm. um, which she loved and grew up on. And then I have um, one of her books as well about positivity. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really good that I read. Um, So her website is a destination for me when I want to figure out what is going on planetarily. So if I'm feeling a little off, um, it's helpful to go there and kind of understand what's going on in the cosmos so I can really figure out how to manage emotions and manage feelings and kind of um, ground myself to make the best decisions I can moving forward. Yeah. So enjoy this episode, guys. Um, And please join our secret Facebook group. We are waiting for you in there talking about these episodes and so much more. Um, We love you. Happy, happy new year. Okay. So welcome. We are a crew of four today. Mm -hmm. We are joined by our producer, Chloe. Hi. Hi, everyone. As everyone knows. (laughs) And our special guest, Tanaz Chubb. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Yes, that's right. Wonderful. (laughs) Always have to ask. I know. Sometimes we get in the zone and we'll like keep mispronouncing last names throughout the interview. I've done it. Oh my gosh. I know. And um, (laughs) this one's so overdue. We're so pumped to have you here. Like our community has been asking for it. They love you. Um, They're so interested in astrology. They're spiritually curious. They um, seek to be more positive, impactful humans. And so I'm so pumped to talk about Forever Conscious, to talk about your new book, to talk about the book that you have. Oh yeah, Pocket Mantras. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. Pocket Mantras. Isn't that the cutest title? Yeah. (laughs) Do you know any by heart? No. Oh my God. My brain's not that great. (laughs) Um, And just like, I want to understand too, a lot more about the moon, a lot more about astrology. Sometimes also too, I, I seek to figure out how to explain it to people that you know, don't understand Um, because I know it works and I believe in it deeply, but figuring out a way that's like easily digestible for others is is good too. But um, let's take a step back. So how do you introduce yourself to people? How do you talk about forever conscious? Like when you're meeting someone, how do you explain who you are and what you do? Well, I kind of introduced myself as a writer firstly, because mm. that's sort of my main inspiration, like what I love to do. It's sort of, um, I feel like I have a message that I kind of just want to put out there. So that's usually how I explain myself. And then if they're kind of open, I'll kind of go into a little bit more and say, yeah, like I, I do astrology and I write about astrology and I have this website, Forever Conscious, which is all about how to live a spiritual life. I mean, we are spiritual beings. We don't really have to learn how to live a spiritual life, but I think it's about remembering that we're spiritual beings and honoring that and then honoring that through how we live our day today. I love that. That's beautiful. And for you, what does being um, forever, like what does being conscious mean? Like, what is that? Sure. So I guess being the I thought for a long time, what does forever conscious mean? I actually came up with the meaning after I came up with the name. I was like, this sounds good, but I don't really know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> like, details, details. I like that happens to everyone. That's great. That's perfect. So I thought, I'm like, oh, I should probably really know what, like, you know, people ask me like, what does it mean? And I'm like, hmm, I should come up with something. So I kind of have meditated on it for a really long time. And I finally was like, that's what it means. So it's just honoring the... Uh, forever you, that part of you that goes on, that soul that lives on and keeps growing and keeps evolving. It's bigger than just this life. It's that conscious piece of you, I suppose, that's eternal. What brought you to this place? How did you grow up? How did it influence maybe how you discovered meditation, astrology? Kind of take us through. Mm -hmm. So my family is Zoroastrian, which is like a super old religion. It's very, very small. It's 
um, what existed in Persia before the collapse of Persia. Mm. So it's a very spiritual religion. It's very aligned with nature. Like, you know, you worship nature and the elements. And so my mom has been like her own version of saging the house since I was like little, you know? So it's kind of, I kind of grew up with this as my backbone. And then I kind of have taken it and sort of morphed it into my own thing. So I had a really good spiritual foundation growing up. And then You know, I think like everybody, when you're kind of going through those puberty years, you feel super out of place and all of that. And I was really in a like depressed, negative state in my life. And then I just remember like, I don't really know how it happened, but one day I was like, I'm just sick of feeling this way. Like I'm sick of feeling like shit all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. And that kind of started this path of like reading books, like self-help books, you know, listening to these people talk about tuning into that sort of soft, still voice within. And that just kind of, that door kept opening and opening and opening and it kind of changed my life, you know, and it helped me to sort of get out of that funk, which I think we can all relate to it, you know, that puberty age. I mean, it's like not a fun time for anyone. We're like right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that your podcast is called Almost 30 because that is another really challenging time. I don't know if you guys, you probably already know the Saturn We want to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, we will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Peace to it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there are just these periods in our lives where um, we can all, well, we can, we can relate to it at any time, but that was sort of my journey in getting out of that funk. That was my motivation. And then I kind of found this path and it felt good. It felt right. And I just kind of kept moving along. And the books, when you talk about the books that that taught you and kind of moved you to be a more positive person? What were some of those books? Well, one of the most influential authors was Wayne Dyer. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's passed on now, but his work was, I think I read, what was it called? Something about like um, manifestation, magic, miracles. I don't know, something Mm -hmm. like that. And it was talking all about how your thoughts create your reality. And actually at this time, The Secret, I don't know if you guys remember that book. Of course. Yeah, um, became super popular and everyone was talking about it. So, you know, even though that book is kind of not old news, but, you know, it was just presenting old, Mm -hmm. you know, spiritual knowledge in a new way, it did help to awaken a lot of people, myself included. It was maybe Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life by Wayne Dyer. Oh yeah, that one too. But you know, it, this one specifically had, I think, the word magic or something mm, in the mm-hmm. title. And I, and I think that's what appealed to me about it too. Because I was always into like, ma- like I think Charmed was on TV at that point. Sabrina's a teenage witch. Really putting it into context. I was like super obsessed with that show. And now I know why. But yeah, so I was like, oh, magic. That that kind of ties in. What was your first experience with manifestation? Oh, good question. Okay, actually, you know what's funny? Speaking of Charmed, the TV show, mm-hmm. um, it used to come, my parents were like super strict. So like it used to come on past my bedtime, right? So, <laughs> so you know, when you're 12, that's not good. <laughs> and all my friends would talk about it at school. And so I remember thinking to myself, okay, I am going to manifest that my mom will let me watch Charmed. <laughs> this is so <laughs> this is, I love this. I love how you have an answer to I'm this like, question. I'm manifesting <laughs> limited to inflatable furniture yeah. for my room. <laughs> well, do you know what's funny? It worked. So I came, I brought, I came to my mom and I had this whole like thing planned out of what I was gonna say. And she was like, okay. And I was like, Wow. <laughs> so, you know, but let me add on to that. So then next week I did the same thing. So I came to her and I said my same argument and she was like, no. And I was like, oh, this doesn't work. You know, da 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 I was so mad. And then I found out, because, you know, this is back in the day where you had to look at the TV guide and like the TV mm-hmm. magazine. 
It oh, was, yeah, remember that? Yeah, it was Weird. a repeat episode that I'd already seen. <laughs> so it was like meant to be. It was like the universe was saying like, okay, no, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, it was like, don't waste this on this episode. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. That makes me so happy. If kids only knew about manifestation. Oh, do you yes. know what I mean? Oh, oh. The things they would manifest. Yeah. Like as children. <laughs> well, oh you know, gosh. it's kind of funny because um, I told my youngest sister and I was like trying to tell her and she was like, well, I've always wanted a puppy. And I was like, okay. This is your time. We're going to yes. do it. <laughs> uh, and it worked. She got a puppy? She got a Shut puppy. Up. It took a few, that one took a few years. My dad had to be, you know, kind of coerced mm-hmm. into that, but it worked. It worked. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And for people, so astrology, I kind of want to talk about that too. What, like, how do you explain astrology to people? Um, What do you believe astrology is and how can it apply to people's lives? Well, astrology is kind of like the study of the planets to kind of put it the most basic way. However, I think it's sort of like that when you were born, the planets were in a particular position and that position holds sort of like an energetic blueprint because each planet kind of has its own energy and that energetic blueprint at the time you're born kind of is like, so if we think of that, we're all energy, including the planets, the stars, the solar system, that energy that lives in you is kind of mirrored in what's happening above. So as above, so below. What I, how I kind of explain that to people in a really sort of easy way to get is I think, talk about the moon. So we know that the moon controls the tides, right? We can see that with our eyes, but then think about it, right? We're 70% water. So what do you think the moon is doing to us? You know, if it can move a whole ocean, what, you know, what's going on inside? And I think a lot of people resonate with that because people already feel you know, slightly off on a full moon, or they'll be like, mm, something doesn't feel right. Oh, it's a full moon. Could that be related? So I always like to use the moon because I feel like that's the most relatable one. I've read so many astrology books and I've never heard it said like that. And that, like, I feel like if I said that to all my friends who are super skeptical about mm-hmm. astrology, like, they would probably understand maybe 5% more, but that's right. better than nothing, yeah. you know? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. With astrology, like what's a good place where people can look? Because I feel like sometimes I have apps or I have things that I look at and it's like pretty generic, you know, it may not apply. So how can people find information on astrology that's applicable to them that will help them? Yeah. Well, besides forever conscious. Yes, of course. Yeah. That was I, a layup, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I really, um, how I kind of first got into astrology was reading astrologyzone.com. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys oh, yeah. are familiar with Susan Miller. Yeah, she's really great because I think she makes it so easy and mm-hmm. applicable. And like she writes a huge- She's great, but she's always late every month. Yeah. <laughs> she's always late. <laughs> it's like four days late. And she's like, sorry guys, I was sick. And then she's like, but I've got a new website. <laughs> You're like, it's Susan, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's like hashtags like Susan Miller's late on Twitter. No. It's crazy. Like people go crazy. <laughs> it's a lot though. She writes it's, those full yeah, monthly things for every sign. Like I could not do that. Like that's a lot yes. of energy, you know? Um, but her forecasts are a really good way, I think, to get started with mm. it because she'll kind of really introduce you to some of the core parts of uh, like what's going on in the month and kind of some of the core things of astrology, like Mercury retrograde and all those like kind of more common things that we hear about. What do you think about horoscopes in like magazines and newspapers and all of that. Like I know that there's always, like I've I've studied astrology for, Mm -hmm. I've read about it for like three years now intensely. And like, I know that there's always more to it, you know, because of depending on charts and all of that. But what do you think about, because I know I feel like a lot of our listeners do read those and, you know, take those in seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a huge fan of them. I'm not a huge fan of them. (laughs) Um, I kind of feel like, I mean, look, I think there are some really great writers out there who can, you know, think about maybe the energy going on for this sign and put it in a really eloquent, detailed way. They do exist, but majority of them, I read them and I'm like, eh, -hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just me. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge Mm -hmm. fan of them. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, for the longest time, that's what I thought astrology was. I didn't think that there was anything more to it than just, you know, reading your horoscope in the paper. And then 
and it never really appealed to me because I never really, I'm like, oh, well, this can apply to anyone, you know? But then when I started really studying it and understanding it, I'm like, wow, the little, you know, snippet that you read in a in the magazine or a newspaper is nothing compared nothing. to what's what this really is about. So explain to us like what the next level of astrology would be for someone who's just reading horoscopes. Like how could they deepen their understanding of it and how could they incorporate it into their everyday life in a way that would, I don't know, kind of deepen their, their sense of self, I guess. Yeah, the first step would be to draw up a natal chart, which you can do online for free. Um, you need to know your time of birth. If you don't have your time of birth, you're not getting going to get the most accurate, but you can put midday. That's typically what astrologers do if you don't know your time of birth. And so, um, yeah, draw up a natal chart and then start looking what signs the planets are in. So like, okay, when I was born, um, my Saturn was in Capricorn. So start looking at that and then start looking at what number they fall in. So an astrology chart looks like a wheel and it's kind of cut into 12 pieces of pie and each um, planet will fall in a different number, one through to 12. And those numbers are significant. So let's just say, okay, my Saturn's in Capricorn and it's in number five. We call these numbers houses. So it's in the fifth house. And then start looking at that and the meaning of that. And you can just find like a you know, explanation online. And it'll probably resonate with you more than that, you know, weekly horoscope in the paper. Yeah, that's beautiful. The natal chart. I know. And so what does it mean when Saturn or Mercury is in retrograde? Like, I feel like I'm like, oh, it's in retrograde when people tell me that. And then I'm like, yeah, this sucks because of that. Like, what does that actually mean? (laughs) Yeah, everyone likes to blame blame Mercury retrograde for all the problems Mm -hmm. in their lives. So... Mercury retrograde. So from a viewpoint, um, us looking at Mercury from Earth, it looks like it's moving backwards, even though it's not. So in traditional astrology, Mercury is the messenger of the gods and Mercury always had to be near the sun, the sun's side like because it's Mercury's the closest planet to the sun. But when it would go retrograde, so appear to go in this backward motion, it would disappear from the horizon. So the ancients would say, oh, Mercury has slipped into the underworld. You know, it's on this backward path. It's in the dark. It's no longer next to the sun. Mm -hmm. It's in the shadow. And so, you know, symbolically, Mercury is kind of digging through those deeper shadow parts of ourselves So it can deliver messages, right? Messages of the gods. So when it's in its regular, you know, orbit, it's delivering messages in the seen world. But when it goes retrograde, it's delivering messages from the unseen world. At least that's how I've come to understand it. So when Mercury goes retrograde and things are going haywire, there's something Mercury's trying to show you. It's like, pay attention, pay attention. It just doesn't make much sense to us because it it's not out in the light yet. So usually when Mercury goes direct, it'll be out in the light and then you can feel more confident to move forward with stuff. What are things that people could do during Mercury retrograde mm-hmm. that would help them see those things or feel those things? And I think it's always just like a or things they yeah, shouldn't chaotic do. Mind. Yeah, things they shouldn't, shouldn't do. do. Yeah. Well, so Mercury retrograde is a really good time to go back to things that you were once looking at. It's mm. usually not a good time to start new projects. Think about it. The messenger of the God is in the underworld. So you're not getting the messages that you need to help you move forward. However, if there's something from your past that you want to go back to, so actually Mercury retrograde is a really good time to you know, if there's an old romance from the past, it's the perfect time to kind of explore that. Or, you know, maybe if you're, you know, doing some sort of client-related business, it's a really good time to reach out to old clients that you once worked with. So these are ways that you can use Mercury. But yeah, it's really sometimes, it's not the best time to start anything new, typically. Um, and it's they also say it's not a good time to buy electronics because Mercury rules over moving parts and cars and things like that. So, you know, I always feel like you kind of have to go with your intuition first before astrology. But, it, you know, if a great opportunity comes along, go for it. But these are all things that if they don't feel right and it's Mercury retrograde, you definitely want to pay attention to that. Has anything ever happened to you like during retrograde that you're like, oh my gosh, like, this is so like because of it, like any inter- like <laughs> interesting moment. Like I know I've had some, but like 
Well, so when I first moved to LA, I signed a lease um, on Mercury Retrograde and I thought, no, I'll be fine. (laughs) 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 And weirdly enough, the person who had the bedroom before me had nailed their bed to the wall and made it like on these high stilts. And he was like, oh, you know, do you? Yes. Yeah, so, so weird. <laughs> and he's like, oh, see, this is nailed to the wall. Do you want me to keep, do you, do you want to use it? And I was like, no, like you can get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, move-in day comes and that bed is still in the <gasps> room. Yeah. No, he had not bothered to take it apart. So I contacted the landlord and the landlord, like, landlord is like, oh, sorry, not my problem. <sighs> And I was like, oh my God. And so luckily one of the girls that I was living with, her boyfriend was super handy. So we took it apart and like did it all. He was really, really great. But then we had another roommate that lived with us who was um, a guy and he was a real creeper. So I had to, we had to, both me and the other girl had to like leave in the night. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you snuck out. Yeah, we we, we were just so scared that we just had to like. Wait, that's crazy. What did he do? Um, well, I think he didn't do this to me, but right. to my roommate, he would um, look into her room while she was sleeping. Oh, oh my God. You're lying. No. <laughs> that's and then that's she the would worst. See him, she would see him and she'd be like, oh, what are, you, like, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, I was just checking on you. And then you'd like. Oh my gosh. Like in oh the middle of the God. night? In the middle. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. So we, needless that's to say, so creepy. she told me, she came to me, she told me and she's like, we have to go. And I'm I was so like, glad yes. you left. Yeah. <laughs> So, look, I don't know if that was Mercury Retrograde's fault. but just, you know, it occurred. (laughs) Do you find that your intuition is sharpened, like, as you, like, kind of dove more deeply into astrology, like, your intuition about other people, if you know maybe their their sign or... Well, in that example, before I moved in, I had a dream that this guy crawled into my bed in the middle of the night. Yeah. And I ignored it. I thought, oh, I'm just being silly. Whoa. Yeah. So there you go. So, yeah. It kind of ties together a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. like, yeah it's didn't... almost like your intuition's warning you about like what's going to happen. I mean, that oh, that's life. That's yeah. straight up life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I chose to ignore it. I just thought I was being silly. And of course, you know, lesson learned. Um, so yes, I do. And I think the trick is for everyone out there is you have to learn to listen. Um, because I feel like the more you listen, the more your intuition bothers to show up for you. And in what way, like meditation or is it, how can people like quiet in that way? Mm-hmm. Meditation is really good, but I know a lot of people say, oh, I really struggle to meditate. Like, how do I, you know, do it? Well, I really like to suggest people to do a shower meditation. There's something about the water and being in the shower that's so relaxing. Like, I don't know about you guys. I get all my best ideas in the shower. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I tell people to let hot water run on the back of your neck because that's an energy center that can help kind of open up. And you can just sort of stand there and just listen to your breath and feel the hot water on the back of your neck. And... You know, you don't have to ask for any answers, but just try to see kind of what comes through. And then the other thing you can do is when you're in that still space, and let's just say you do have a really pressing question, you place your hands over your heart and you try to push the energy into that part of your body and listen, just listen and, you know, see what the answer is. Another good exercise you can do is to think about your question and then think about all the fear, like, you know, just allow your mind to just, you know, dump everything about this question, the pros, the cons, the good, the bad, and then take a deep breath, take a moment to center yourself and to get into the present moment. So you can look around the room and maybe, you know, identify seven things just to get you present. And then again, place your hands on your heart and then ask your heart the same question. And what this does is it kind of, you've already sorted through the noise and then this allows you to just kind of tune into that softer, quieter heart voice. And the more you practice, the easier it will get. I love that. I've never done the shower thing. Yeah. yeah I love the It shower. makes sense. Yeah. I yeah. Feel that. That's why I don't get good ideas. I don't shower enough. <laughs> that's probably it. Um, so yeah, like you touched on earlier, Almost 30 is a lot about the um, Mercury Saturn return. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our women, a lot of our listeners, male and females, they're going through a lot of transitions. They're going through like a really defining time in their life. Can you talk about the Saturn return? Sure. So Saturn return is like the first big 
well, probably like the big questioning moment of your life. Saturn in astrology, he kind of gets a bad rap. He is like the harsh teacher that wants to make sure you've done your homework so you can get where you need to go, right? So Saturn comes along, you've been doing what you've been doing, and then you turn 28, 29, depending on where Saturn is in your chart. And Saturn comes along and it's like, what are you doing? Like, all right, I've got some questions for you. Why have you chosen this path? Who are you? Are you living up to your, you know, he'll come Mm. and he'll challenge you to really think about what you've been doing and what you are, what kind of track you are on. And so that can be pretty um, intense. It is really intense. It kind of forces us to kind of go into this questioning of our life. And Saturn at this stage also asks you to make a commitment to something. So you've been, you know, maybe you've kind of had a few options on the table or you've kind of got to explore a few avenues in life. And then Saturn's like, okay, you got to commit to something now. So a lot of people get married in a Saturn return. A lot of people start jobs. A lot of people, some people have children, you know, it's just things that you kind of are committing to in your life. Um, So that in a nutshell is sort of the essence of the Saturn return. It's kind of like a big defining moment in your life of where, who you are and where you are heading. And Saturn also wants to take you to take responsibility. So if you have not been taking responsibility for something in your life, by the time Saturn's done with you, you will be. <laughs> and it can last for a few years. Is that yeah. About two years. Two. Yeah. 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 Have you experienced yours or? I, yes. So I just. I don't want to age you. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I just started my Saturn return, but it has not. So if, because I know the degrees of mm-hmm. where Saturn is in my chart. So Saturn, my Saturn is in Capricorn and Saturn moves into Capricorn in December. So officially in December, I will have my real first taste of Sat, like my Saturn return, but I've kind of already started to go in that direction. <laughs> in what way? Oh, gosh. (laughs) So this year has really raised a lot of questions for me about who I am, where I'm going, Mm. um, and kind of... I don't think you're the only one. No, (laughs) not at all. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I've definitely started to feel that. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about you making it even more specific with what the purpose is of what Saturn wants you to think about. And like both of us experience moves across the country, but I think really... I'm thinking about like making a commitment to my career, to my acting and really getting serious about it. it makes more sense to me. You know, I think like the moves and the shifts happen, but like I think that was kind of what what it is and what it is right now. Yeah, like that would be a really good, like so Saturn would say to you, okay, what do you want to do with your life? And then you're like, okay, I really want to pursue acting. This is my passion. And then it's like, okay, well, take responsibility yeah, for that. exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so- it makes a lot of sense. And yeah. what 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 is the best way to, for someone who doesn't, who's maybe just learning about their Saturn return to lean into it, to really get the most out of it? I think the biggest piece would be to firstly, not be afraid of it. And then to secondly, really ask yourself, what do I want my life to feel like? And mm. then what steps am I t- currently taking that is result like how are they resulting in my life now and then how can I change that if it's not what I want to feel sure so it's kind of you know Saturn's very practical you don't have to kind of get way out there it's very like direct and simple don't over Saturn returns already complicated don't complicate it anymore you know so it's a really direct practical steps. It's like life is saying to you, okay, if this is what you want, then show me that that's what you want. Like, you know, start it's black and white. It's yeah. not very, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, like Mercury is more like gray. Like you're just like, you don't know what's going on and you know, there's stuff underneath you, like you said, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I feel like Saturn is more black and white. Like, okay, you know what you need to do, do it. Yeah. Exactly. And let's just say you have been kind of moving along, doing something that's not aligned with your path. Well, Saturn will come and help you to realize that too. So if you're thinking, but I have been taking all these steps and I'm still not getting anywhere and I just feel like I'm coming up against a wall. Well, you know, maybe it's time to kind of check in and go, 
Is this really what I want? Is this really aligned with who I am? And these are big questions that you probably are not going to be able to answer for yourself. So break it down into small steps. And that's why I like to tell people to think about how they want to feel in their life because it's so much easier to find a feeling than it is to find something tangible, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And for spiritual practices, like what are some spiritual practices that you swear by, that you do regularly? I love journaling. I don't know, maybe that's because I have the, you know, the writer thing going on. But one of my favorite, favorite exercises is first thing in the morning. This is actually, I didn't come up with this. It was Julia. Yes, yes, exactly. So yeah, first thing in the morning, you get up, you have a notebook and pen by your bedside and you just start writing. And usually you try to do three pages back and front without stopping. And it was this writing practice when I started doing it, I realized all the junk I was just carrying around in my mind and I would see it on the paper and I'd be like, wow, gosh, I had no idea this was like, you know, you know, festering inside mm-hmm. of me. And then eventually I noticed when I started writing that I would get messages coming through. My intuition, my guides first came to me through um, the writing exercise. So, oh, actually, you know, my guides first came to me when I was younger. But again, after I'd sort of had my spiritual awakening, I they, were, they came back into my life through this method. For those of our listeners who don't know what guides are, can you explain that? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like your spiritual <clears throat> guidance team, maybe like a guardian angel, but um, <clears throat> more like a practical down-to-earth guide that exists in the spirit world that's kind of here to guide you. And we all have one, or we all have several rather, and you, everyone can kind of tune in. I tell people you just kind of have to invite them into your life, invite your spirit guides into your life. And then just kind of trust. How do you know you have one? Like, how do you know, like, they're there? Well, like that piece of trusting first and Mm -hmm. then being shown kind of applies in this situation. It's kind of like just trusting that you do. Some people, like, for example, I when I was a kid, I was going for an operation on my toe. It was totally nothing serious at all, but I was really nervous. And I remember like in this half dreaming state, seeing this woman standing above my bed and she was just like super calm and like loving. And she said to me, oh, like, you're going to be fine. I'm going to be with you all the way. And I mean, at the time I was just like, okay, you know, like, yeah, cool. yeah. Um, and then sort of, as I had my awakening and kind of went on this spiritual path, I was like, oh, this is a guide. I didn't really know. I mean, since that moment seeing her at my bed, I could kind of always feel her around, but I never really gave it much attention. I kind of just thought it was stupid. Like I kind of just thought it was my imagination. And then it wasn't until I kind of was like moved through this path. I was like, oh, I think that's my spirit guide, you know? Mm -hmm. So it... I know it's probably not going to feel as easy as that for everyone, but it's just about trusting, inviting them into your life. Um, And I have some stuff from foreverconscious.com, but you can like, you know, read up about different techniques that you can do to kind of invite your guides in and have them kind of, you know, be an active part of your life. What are some of those? Oh, gosh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We'll link it in our show notes, but also too. I'm really curious. Sure. Okay. So... I, again, would tell people to kind of get in a calm, meditative state. And then I would just, you know, have put out an invitation, say, I welcome my guides and my angels into my life so they can guide me in the best way forward. You can say whatever you want, but that's a good place to start. And I would just keep doing that, keep saying that. And then when you have a question, start kind of, you know, in your meditation or even in your day-to-day reaching out and speaking with your guides, you know, ask them questions. You may not hear an answer, but just getting that dialogue going um, can kind of get the ball rolling. And then I really recommend the journaling exercise that I mentioned before, um, because I have given it to a lot of people who have wanted to connect with their guides and it works a lot of the time. Do you have to say, this is a silly question, but Mm -hmm. do you have to say it out loud or can you just think it? I think when you're first starting out, you have to do it out loud. Yeah. I know. Someone told me once, I think it was like a medium. He's like, you have to speak 
with someone that was coming through. He's like, you have to speak to them out loud. Like they need to hear you. Like, I don't know. I didn't ask why. I just said, okay, but. Yeah, I think in I think in the beginning when you're making contact with, you know, guys or even loved ones, there's something about saying it out loud that's more, I don't know, definite, concrete, meaningful. And then as you kind of go along and you get sort of the hang of it, then you can kind of do it telepathically. But yeah, I think in the beginning, if you're starting out, say your invitation out loud with meaning, you know, have your conversation. I know, right? Um, mm. What do they say? Talking to yourself is the first sign of madness, but I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. well, we talk to ourselves all, all the mad. time. I know. We're all yeah. mad. Yeah. <laughs> we're all crazy. <laughs> Um, But yeah, I definitely think if you're starting out out loud is good. And then you'll kind of know like, okay, I can have this conversation in my mind, you know? Okay. Yeah. I love that. Thoughts on dreams. I would love to talk to you about dreams. Yes. Yes. You know, dreams are another great way. If you have um, a hard time kind of turning your mind off and tuning into your intuition, go to your dreams. Like, Mm. you know, what a good tool we have. So again, every night before you go to bed. So with the dreaming... I think it would be good to do a brain dump before you go to sleep. So writing out everything that's on your mind. Um, And if you're the type of person that likes to get up in the middle of the night and you don't have a really restful sleep and you kind of are not dreaming because you're not sleeping very well, again, have that notebook by your side. And if you're awake in the middle of the night, write down what's on your mind. You know, usually this will help you to kind of calm your mind and go back to sleep. So do your journaling before bed and then ask your guides, angels, your intuition to come to you, to, you know, receive messages in your dream. Please come to me in in my dreams. Uh, I'll be open to whatever messages you have for me. And then if you're going to do this, you have to start keeping a dream journal. So writing down your dreams every night, even if they seem like garbage, because eventually you'll start to see patterns or a story will emerge or you'll start to get clues. It may not make sense to you today, but tomorrow it will. So that's another part of that is writing down everything. I think a thing with dreams is like patterns. I totally noticed Mm -hmm. that in my dreams. It's not like, and it's not like, you know, when people look in books and they're like, okay, well, this in your dream means this. Like to me, I feel like it's more of like what's happening. Is that a real thing in your life? Like, is it, has it happened more than once? Like what is something, what is your mind trying to tell you? Mm -hmm. You know? Right. And I think those dream books are good if you're kind of stuck because it can kind of evoke like, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe this is what it means. But yeah, exactly like you said, everybody's different, which means that everyone's symbols in in the symbols in your dream are going to mean something totally different to the symbols in, you know, someone else's dream. Yeah. I had a medium tell me once that dreams only mean something when they're like reoccurring. So if it's like the same message coming through, you know, repeatedly, then it means something. But a lot of times if it's like, you know, something silly that happened just once, it may not mean something. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. So dreams can just kind of sometimes be a jumble of our um, subconscious. Mm. However... I do feel that there is there could be meaning in that depending on what you're looking for. You know, yeah, sure, maybe nine times out of ten it's nothing, but if you really want to connect with your intuition and you're using your dreams to do that, you kind of have to get familiar with everything and learn when it's a message and when it's just jumble. And that only comes through practice. Mm. Is there anything in astrology, and it might be off off base, but that is explaining what's going on right now in like the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Astrology is really, really like, good yeah, for end that. Of days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Astrology is really, really good for that actually. So it's kind of hard. To, I know people do, people predict things using astrology, but I, I find that a little tricky because to me, when I look at it, astrology only shows energy and then it's up to the person or the you know society mm. to take that energy and work with it. So it can show us the energy that's around us and what we kind of need to learn or experience or grow from this. But what we end up doing with it really depends on the free will of the people, I suppose. Um, But yes, so this year there was a lot of change, a lot of change energy, a lot of um, abrupt and abrasive energy. We had just recently Jupiter moving signs, which is a, you know, Jupiter is a big planet. So think about that when a big planet moves into a whole new zodiac sign, that's going to cause ripples, you know. Mm. 
And um, we also have Saturn, which is another big planet moving into Capricorn, like I mentioned earlier, which is another big, you know, shift and change that we'll all feel on some level. So I guess to kind of keep it simple, I don't want to necessarily get into politics, but a lot of the stuff that we're hearing now and seeing now, a lot of it in astrology comes back to the need to kind of get all the muck to the surface so we can create new, so we can move into a new world. It's kind of like we need all this darkness to come to the light so we can do something about it. Makes sense. Yeah, that was beautiful. Mm -hmm. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'd love to talk about your book, Positive Energy, even, which I'm so excited to to read, Um, but even just reading, so this is just in the introduction. I just want to read a sentence about it and then just ask you a question. Um, Positive Energy is so much more than feeling than feeling happy and cheerful all the time. Positive energy is so much more than just putting a smile on your face and pretending that you don't have deeper thoughts or feelings. So how do you, like sometimes when I'm not happy, I'm like, fake it till you make it. You know what I mean? By acting as if I will be. Um, how do you like do that? Like, like how do you actually become positive or like, is it okay to sit in periods of unhappiness or like not being happy? You know, I, I know it's not black or white. You're not a positive or negative person, but like, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, I feel like I think it's a really good question because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I have to be happy all the time, otherwise I'm a bad person. I'm gonna manifest the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. My life's just gonna suck. And no, we are here to experience all emotions. We have to experience anger, regret, sadness. We are light beings, you know, our natural state is love and light. We don't need to learn that. We're here to learn the other stuff. So, and in the book, I kind of touch on this is that living a life of positive energy is really about being aligned with your soul. And to get there, you kind of have to allow yourself to experience and be okay with the negative, be okay with the anger, be okay with the harder emotions when they come up. The difference is you don't want to wallow in them. Mm. That's when it will start to create, you know, stuff in your physical reality. When you find yourself wallowing, like, oh, poor me, like this happened, you know, which we can all do, that's when you have to pay attention and snap out of it. But if something, you know, has happened in your life, you lost your job, relationships fallen apart, yeah, it's normal to be upset and angry and all of those emotions. So it's like remaining, I guess, like hopeful or neutral in that way. Like I don't... Well, I guess it would be allowing yourself to feel Mm, how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Allowing it, not wallowing in it, but allowing it. So, you know, usually when we do have a heavy emotion come up, we suppress it. That's the natural Mm. state that we are like, oh, no, 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 I shouldn't be angry. Like, I'm just going to bury this, you know? And I would say, no, let that anger come out, you know, do something with it, either, you know, confront somebody in a nice way, hopefully about it, exercise, allow yourself to kind of feel it. So a spiritual practice, and this is something that um, Eckhart Tolle um, says, and I find it really, really helpful, is when you have a negative emotion, sit in it and really allow yourself to feel it. Give yourself permission to feel whatever it is, the fear, the anger, the hurt. And when you give yourself permission, it's actually really interesting. It feels really intense for a moment, but then it kind of just passes through you. And you kind of have to keep doing it. So you'll kind of get this moment of intensity. It'll feel really like, oh my God, this is terrible. I don't want to feel this way. And then it passes. And then you can kind of go on and then it'll rise up again, allow yourself to feel it. And then it passes. And eventually you'll have to do that less and less and less. And that really works. Mm. Yeah, I feel like that's just healthy for someone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's not, I've seen so many friends and people I know that like hold things together and it's, tears down everything around them, you know, like the things that they are so hard on themselves for, the things that they have problems with, they just don't talk about it and like acknowledging it, like that's so important and it's healthy. It's like how the body should work. Yeah, that's so true. And I think our generation, we've talked about this on recent podcasts, just we're obsessed with, you know, being happy all the time. Like I have to be happy. I have to be fulfilled and all of these things. And so if I'm not, I'm going to be super low and, you know, everything feels chaotic. 
So yeah, I think our generation would be more apt to wallow in it and maybe our parents' generation, at least in my experience, like they'd be more apt to kind of endure it or sweep it under the rug, but endure it and just take pain or unhappiness as well. This is what has to be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, especially with social media now, like, you know, we're just inundated with pictures of people doing happy things and you're just like, well, I'm just sitting on the couch, (laughs) you know? So yeah, definitely. Like it is this kind of culture and, you know, I guess now it's like, um, what it's like sort of so much part of the culture, like, yeah, be happy. And, you know, just, you have to be doing something that you feel passionate about. Otherwise like, oh, you suck, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that people put so much pressure on themselves to be Mm -hmm. that way. And often when you take away the pressure of trying to be like that, it just kind of happens naturally. And, you know, I touch on this in the book, even though I give exercises and I kind of talk about, you know, different ways that you can live your life. At the end of the day, the biggest message I think out of that book is just be yourself, just be you. You don't have to try and be happy. Don't try to, you know, be this person that you think you should be, just be you. And then everything else will come from that. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe in past lives? Like, do you do any past life work? Um, I yeah, I definitely believe in past lives. Sometimes past life stuff you can um, see it in somebody's astrology chart, oh. kind of what um, lessons they've come to learn, where they spent a lot of their time in past lives. So, like for example, totally. this person uh, in a past life was really focused on helping other people, and now in this life they're here to learn how to be independent. So yes, you can see that in someone's chart. My mom has that. She's got like so much Pisces in her chart. She's a Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. And like when she was like in her 40s and she, I don't know if there's, was that Saturn for her? I guess that could be, Mm, I don't know what there's, isn't there? Well, 58, I guess the next return would be like 57, 58. Right. So yeah, she's- like when menopause? Yeah, like, could well, I mean, be she was. Some people, I mean, yeah. obviously, sorry, mom, I'm talking about this, but um, <laughs> but it's important because I think she's a like I don't know, but in her chart, it's um, it was just so many lessons. Like every single thing in her natal chart was just like conflict after conflict after mm. conflict. And I'm like, you. And then she went to a medium, and like I've been doing the same medium, and I didn't talk to anyone from the other side because I think I was young, or I just mm. don't think I have a past life or a many. But there was people lined. She said the medium said there were people lined up, you know, at, on the other side of the door wanting to talk to her. Wow. Yeah, it was so fascinating. And yeah. it makes sense now. And she got caught. One more hour, that's $100. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. more people at the door. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> She's like, but it, it actually helped her a lot. Oh, that's It great. gave her a lot of clarity um, and confidence to know that there were people looking out for her and like on her side, but, mm-hmm. you know, on the other side. So mm-hmm. it was. Um, yeah, it all kind of tied together. So it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely like, um, especially if someone has a lot of like one sign or one, like you said, your mom had a lot of Pisces in her chart. You know, yeah, usually that can indicate really strongly what someone has come to learn. Mm-hmm. What is that too? Is it part of the wheel where if you're Pisces, it's like your last round on earth or something like before you ascend and then like Aries, what's after? What's before Pisces or after is like the first your first time on earth or something like that? Like they say Pisces is like the oldest sign in the chart. Yeah, so Pisces is, it's the 12th. So it's typically the last, but I think that there are other markers in a person's Mm -hmm. chart that will kind of indicate. I actually like to look at Pluto for that. So if I say Pluto, you know- I was gonna ask about Pluto. Yeah, I was gonna ask about Pluto too. Pluto's like my favorite. (laughs) It's almost like- not a planet anymore? It's almost like a shit disturber, but like in the best way possible. Isn't it like this moon now? So it's, they call it a dwarf planet. Mm. And actually it's interesting. Um, my <laughs> astrology teacher said when Pluto got denounced as a planet, he was like, this is a sign of the um, decay of human consciousness or whatever, because Pluto is <laughs> something like that. Because, you know, um, Pluto is the highest vibrational planet. It's like, it's intense. It's all about death and rebirth. And it's like mm. that. Is it ruled by Scorpio? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Is it the highest vibration? Because it's the furthest from the sun. Yes. Yes. And it's the highest vibration of Scorpio energy too. And Scorpio Mm -hmm. energy, I was just talking about this. Scorpio is one of the most 
misunderstood signs in the zodiac. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Scorpio. Scorpio has so many layers. And so a lot of people meet Scorpio on some of the lower levels and they're just like- Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, but when you like, Mm. um, Scorpio has the highest potential to- awaken in this life, I think. And persevere, Um, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. They're all about kind of breaking things down and building it up, like this whole death and rebirth, like Kali energy. Um, So yeah, so Pluto is kind of like, so I, for me personally, when I do astrology, if if Pluto comes up in the 12th house, uh, to me, that usually is a sign that this person is on the last cycle of a really big life lesson. One last thing. Sorry mm-hmm. about Pluto, but um, <laughs> sorry, oh, you're a dwarf. <laughs> We're giving you so much extra love today. Yeah. Um, but basically, I read that Pluto was in, or Pluto was in Scorpio in the 40s, the 1940s. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. And that, and like all of the things, like there was World War II, there was the Holocaust, like all those things, and like I think there was a lot of destruction going on. And then I read that it was in the, um, I forget which one it was. Hiroshima. Yeah, exactly. There's so much going on like mm-hmm. in that. And it, it made a lot of sense to me. And then I read that it was in the early 2000s when, you know, the tech age, the computers. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what sign. September 11th. Exactly. But, but oh, what I'm saying is that like, it developed <laughs> into a, a rebirth. Oh, I see what you're saying. It like all of that chaos and all of that, you know, you can see it in the like century. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah. So, um, cause Pluto is in Capricorn and Capricorn typically rules over like the banking system and money and power. And so when the financial crash happened, a lot of astrologers, you know, were able to map up perfectly Pluto, you know, doing its thing, you know? So yeah, so that was, that's been a huge part. of So Pluto takes about 10, 11, 12, sometimes more years to go through a sign. It's the slowest moving planet. So that's been the theme for us um, and will be until 2012, I think, when it moves into Aquarius. 2021? Oh, yeah, 2021. Yeah. I'm sorry, 2012. Yeah. 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 I was like, I'm in the past. <laughs> I was like, nice. It's a 2011. <laughs> um, yeah, 21. Thanks. And um, yeah, so that's kind of been the theme with Pluto and Capricorn power struggles, the banking system, um, you know, the global financial crisis, all of that, very Pluto and Capricorn. Can you talk to us about how, and I don't know much about this, but how signs are compatible? I think that's kind of how people kind of get into astrology sometimes is looking up like, oh, am I compatible with so-and-so? What is their sign? Yeah. So uh, my sort of rule of thumb with that is to look at Venus and Mars, you know, the Mm. two lovers. That's a good place to start. So typically for a woman um, attracted to a a male, um, you would look at your, the sign that your Venus and your Mars is in. And then depending on what that is, that's what you will, you know, be most attracted to and would compliment you the most. So if your Venus is in Sagittarius, you're going to do well with the Sagittarius. Mm. If your Mars is in Aries, you'd do well with the Aries. Yeah. So that's kind of how you can start looking. It goes a lot deeper, like, and it's really, really intricate, but Venus and Mars is a good place to start. Cool. (laughs) That's like such a shortcut. To yeah, do it, you know what I mean? I feel like people way. make it way too yeah. complicated. Like I've read yeah. so many books are like, okay, well, if if you're this Taurus, if your sun is in Taurus, mm-hmm. but your moon's in like mm-hmm. Aquarius, it's like, oh, you can't, you can't go with a, <laughs> another Taurus. Like, I don't even know, but it's just like too much math for me or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is really, really, really complicated. So at the end of the day, I would just tell people like, you'll know if you feel compatible <laughs> with someone. <laughs> Yeah, so Venus and Mars is a simple way to look at it. Also, if you have your natal chart, you can look to see what sign is on the cusp of your sixth and seventh house. So um, it's like, for example, mine is Sagittarius and my Venus is in Sagittarius. So again, Sagittarius would be a good match for me. But that doesn't mean that you can't get along with other signs or somebody else might have a really strong Sagittarius in another part of their chart. Like you mentioned your mom's Sagittarius, but she has a lot of Pisces energy. So, you know, that would apply to- And her best friend's Pisces. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. 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 So it is really, really detailed. Mm -hmm. What has it been like to- like with your family and friends as you've like kind of 
gotten deeper into this over the years? Like, have you, have, has it been challenging to help people understand or have they all been very supportive? Um, yeah, they've all been really, really supportive. So yes. I've just been lucky in that way. Like, um, even though what I do is pretty out there for my parents, they've never, like, they've always just been like, okay, okay. Mm, <laughs> so yeah, so cool. super supportive. Yeah. Do they still practice? What's the religion? Zoroastrianism. Yes. Yeah. Zoroastrianism. Mm-hmm. And yeah. where, where, can you tell us more about that? Sure. Oh gosh. I'm pro- you know, I'm pretty bad actually. I probably should know more. You're a bad <laughs> Yes. Um, so it is, so it existed in the time that Persia was Persia. So it had mm-hmm. a lot of, um, I guess it was all about the elements. This is like way back, you know, way, way long time ago. So it was all about the elements. It was, it had actually a huge astrology component, which I found really interesting. I didn't know that till afterwards. And it's basically like they have three tenets of the religion, which is good thoughts, good words, good deeds. So, you know, pretty simple. Um, there are a special set of prayers and people pray by the fire, but you'll also have, you know, flowers, sandalwood to represent earth mm. and fruit to represent like abundance. And we have four new years a year. <laughs> it's a mm. lot. Oh, wow. And and they fall each on, I think, I think on the equinox and the solstice. So again, it's all very like about nature and in harmony with nature and kind of being in harmony with nature. So it's very, I guess, environmentally conscious as well. Mm. Um, that's all I kind of really know about it. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. I've never and heard I'm of it. I'm one. I'm yeah. going to become one. <laughs> yeah, it's a really easygoing religion actually, but they there's a lot of um, politics in it. They don't allow conversion because, mm. yeah, well, because what was Sorry, happening is probably why it's not that big anymore. <laughs> well, exactly. Mm. So a lot of the new thought is like, no, we should allow people if they want to right. join, they should join. But a lot of the old, very traditional people are oh, like, no. That's weird. Yeah. So that's why it is dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other religions are like knocking on. They're like doors. more money, yeah. please. Yeah. Please join. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, we're good. <laughs> we're yeah. good. We're by the fire with the fruit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that probably comes from because when um, Persia collapsed, and I think the Islam religion moved in. Like, so my family were re- like ancestors, rather, were refugees because it was like you convert or will kill you. So mm-hmm. my family fled to India. So the largest population of Zoroastrians is in India. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I wonder if that's where it came from. I don't know if that's rooted in fact, but I feel like cuz you would be you would die if you, you know, you know, weren't practicing that religion. Maybe mm-hmm. it was too dangerous to convert people at that time. That's my theory anyway. Wow. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Um Last question. So for people that want to like make spirituality more of a priority and like, what are some, what are some ways they can do that? And then what are some signs that they're on the right path? Ooh, good question. Um, I would say you have to develop a spiritual practice. So if you kind of want to get in tune with that more spiritual part of yourself and feel more aligned and more purposeful, it is kind of a discipline. And I know that's not very exciting or magical to say that, but there is a process of being disciplined with it. So I tell people like, just start with 10 minutes a day doing some sort of practice, whether it's journaling. Um, I like to tell, I tell people, try to think of three things, one thing for your body, one thing for your mind, and then one thing for your soul. So start with like some movement, some, you know, you can do some sun salutations, dance around to a song, just get your body moving, then do something for your mental body. So journaling, maybe reciting an affirmation, and then do something for your spiritual body. So some deep breathing, some meditation, maybe even just holding um, your hand over each chakra and sending, you know, your energy centers and sending loving light to them, you know, just something on to kind of um, for those three levels. I actually have an article about it on Forever Conscious. So if you're like, oh, I want more information, yeah. you can go there and find it. Um, so yeah, I tell people to, you know, three things, one for the body, one for the mind, one for the soul, 15 minutes, 10 minutes a day, just start with that. And how do you know if you're on the right path? Well, firstly, you'll feel better about yourself. And then secondly, synchronicity. You will start 
thinking about something and then you'll see it, or you'll start noticing number patterns, or you'll start just kind of, you know, seeing doors open for you. Uh, I think synchronicity is a really good sign that you're on the right track. Love the number thing. Mm -hmm. Do you have numbers? Do you have a number? I don't have a number. I don't. Well, I've I've tried and I've I've like been like, okay, 54. Yes, this is the one. If Mm -hmm. I see, I just chose it randomly. Never saw it. I like know. I just knew I that I, I knew that I wasn't like you're right. Like you kind of feel like once you're on a roll, like everything just starts coming for you, you know. And I like I feel like <laughs> so I, it's not. So obviously <laughs> I wasn't on a roll. I'm not on a roll. Um, but, <laughs> I've been seeing threes a lot. Oh, that's lately. good. Yeah, like three, 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 or just things on threes. I don't know. That means you're on the right track. Yeah, yeah. Does it? <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah, as long as I feel like you see the pattern, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was amazing. Mm-hmm. We'll link everything in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Your book is already out? Or yes. Is it coming, okay, no, great. it's already out. Okay, yeah. We'll link in the show notes too. And, it, and people can find it everywhere? Uh, on Books. Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Yeah, it's most beautiful. Books. It's and so she has beautiful. the power of positive energy. And I was just leafing through it during our conversation. I cannot wait to read it. And you have like four other books yeah, as well. Yeah, best-selling author. Here we go. So Pocket I, mantras. So yeah, so I have, so the mantra book that I wrote is um, Messages for the Soul, but I also have Pocket Mantras, but that one's not coming out till March of next year. Oh. But I had the other book that you're referring to was um, Messages for the Soul, which is also a mantra oh. book. This yeah, is a that was it. Yeah. yeah. And then I have an ebook, which is Becoming Forever Conscious. So, yeah, they're my books. I love that. You should make an app. You know, I, know. I have thought about that. a mantra app. Can a you mantra? do that for us? Yeah, for, <laughs> daily, for a daily mantra. Oh, I like that. You could open it up like Forever Conscious Daily mm. Mantra. I would love that. That's okay, amazing. Cool. Noted. So, I'll be ready and get a portion of your. <laughs> I'm invested 5%. Her, yeah, her, her, her boyfriend can do can iOS development. Yeah, yeah, he can do oh, iOS. Yeah. So okay, we're, we're, cool. they're, you're good. They're involved already. Yeah. <laughs> we're good. Well, thank you so much. Thank for you. Being yeah, here. this was amazing. I know our listeners are going to be so excited. Mm-hmm. They're just so curious, which is so mm-hmm. nice and refreshing. And they're open to this. They're mm-hmm. so open to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Wonderful. thank you so much for having me. Thank you're you. Welcome. Love it. You're welcome. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Have a beautiful week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.